Well, hey, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome back to the channel for this installment of Open Mic, where the mic is open, the floor is yours to talk about the things you want to discuss in this great big world of movies, movie news, TV, and streaming. Whatever topics or questions you have, that's what we're here to talk about here today. I'm, of course, your host, John Campia. I'm joined in studio today by Ray Ora. Let's brawl, baby. <laughs> he was watching that damn boat fight video that's going viral today. <laughs> Beside him is Jonathan Voiko. I've been listening to baseball and building Legos. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, of course, John Kennedy, and uh, here's how you can get a topic or a question on the show. There are two different ways. Uh, the first way is if you're watching this video any of the 23 hours of the day that we're not streaming live, you can use our tip link simply at streamelements.com slash johncampia slash tip. The second way is if you are watching live, you can use the Super Chat feature. And if your topic or question is, well, you know, appropriate to be used on our show, we'll address it here. Now, before we get into uh, your topics and questions, there's something I wanted to go over here today. Uh, you know, one of my favorite outlets, or at least it's quickly becoming one of my favorite outlets, is IndieWire. Really solid, uh, excellent news outlet. They're great covering the entertainment industry. Anyway, they put out an article today that I thought was really neat, discussing the front runners for the upcoming Academy Awards in the area of visual effects. Now, you might say to yourself, it's a bit early for that, isn't it? And you'd be right. I mean, we're only sitting in August. There's still a lot of movies to come out this year. But I still thought it was pretty interesting. I thought we would go over what they were saying and talk about whether or not we agree with them, <coughs> disagree with them, whatever. So this is what IndieWire writes. They said the following. Dune Part 2 from Warner Brothers, the sequel to the visual effects Oscar winner, remember, the first Dune won Best Visual Effects the year it was out, is the early favorite. It has the design and tech advantages that uh, DNEG brought to Dune, but on a much grander scale. Its strongest competition from the first half of the year, uh, the strongest competition for the first half of the year comes from Oppenheimer, Universal, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny from Lucasfilm slash Disney, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 from Marvels and Disney, and Little Mermaid. All right, let me, let me start there. First of all, I don't know that anybody is going to disagree that Dune 2 will be the front runner for best visual effects. I mean, if you just look back at the first Dune, it doesn't matter if you like the movie or not. The visual effects were absolutely jaw-droppingly gorgeous and beautiful and completely immersed you into the movie. It was a staggering achievement. So I, I don't think there's anybody who disagrees that as of right now, the front runner's got to be considered Dune Part 2. I do got to say, though, I find it interesting that they mentioned Oppenheimer because other than an explosion, I can't recall a lot of visual effects work unless like a lot of the movie wasn't real. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? I, what was that one movie about the Robert Downey Jr. was in it about finding the serial killer with well, the Zodiac killer. Remember yeah, that movie? Zodiac. Zodiac. I remember I found out like well after that movie was done that a lot of the scenes in that movie was actually one or two houses and then a giant green screen behind it and cityscapes and all that kind of stuff were actually mm. visual effects. In. So unless Oppenheimer had a lot of that. I, I, I mean, the explosion effect was cool. Does the visual effects count for maybe, let's say, um, the the time it was in? Did it take us back to that but era? That's not like, visual effects. That would that's be set, set design. design. That's not, no, that's, that's set design, design, right? Oh, okay. okay. That's costuming, set design, yeah. all well, that kind of stuff. We have uh, that horrific scene though, where we got glimpses of flashbacks of 
or what what was in his head. I guess that would be visual effects. Yeah, that yeah, would be, but is that is that a that's not best, a big part? Yeah, is that a best visual effects? Content. I, I mean, I don't. I don't know if they're just confusing one of the best films of the year. Well, well, Oppenheimer is one of the best films of the year. Therefore, its visual effects must be the best visual effects. I, I don't understand that thinking. So, I am a little confused by their claim that Oppenheimer would be a front runner. Anyway, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And you know what? I was a little bit surprised to see that there. But once I gave it some thought, because I didn't love that movie, I thought it was pretty good. It was all right. It's the fourth best Indiana Jones film. But the more I thought about it, the effects were pretty great. Like when they, where they used effects, it was seamless. Again, it immersed you in. The movie wasn't fantastic, but the visual effects were pretty good. And then the other one they mentioned here as a front runner is Little Mermaid. And like or dislike that movie, you've got your head up your ass if you don't acknowledge that the visual effects work in that movie are pretty beautiful and stunning and beautiful. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so effective, so wonderful. Again, the effects themselves may have been better than the movie itself, but I, I could totally see that being one of the front runners. Now, that's where the ins- this gets interesting now when they start talking about what the other contenders might be. Andy Wire goes on to say this. Meanwhile, the rest of the contenders include Wonka, which does look like it's going to have mm-hmm. a good af- amount of visual effects. Oompa Transformers Rise of the Beasts, which the effects in that movie were really solid. Really, really. Yeah, especially when they're in the drunk jungle areas. Yeah. That's where I thought it looked. That looked really fantastic. good. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Barbie. Blue Beetle, which we have to see how, how good that looks. John Wick Chapter 4. The Creator. Napoleon. And Poor Things. All right. So a couple of these we haven't seen yet. The creator, mm-hmm. <laughs> that could be, listen, from just previews, mm-hmm. that's one that could give Dune 2 a run for its money because the previews, while I haven't been super fascinated about the movie, it looks, you know what it reminds me of when I see it visually from a visual aesthetic point of view? It reminds me back when District 9 came out. I remember looking at the visuals of District 9 when they first promoted I'm like, that looks like gobstoppingly photorealistic. I mean, it just looks so natural and so real. And, and plus how they have the half Android things that are going yeah, on. Yeah, which in the back of the, also was too. seamless. Yep. Like completely seamless. Again, we haven't seen the movie. I'm just basing that on the damn previews that they had there. <laughs> also, but I got to tell you this too, Napoleon, we saw like a 12 minute scene of it at, at CinemaCon where a lot of visual effects were used. You might be saying it's a period piece. How are the, trust me, there's visual effects in this movie. And again, totally gorgeous, totally seamless, help to immerse you in the movie. So that could be one that could also be given a little bit of a run for its money. I mean, out of those ones you've heard about, Ray, I mean, which one do you think could give Dune 2 the biggest run for its money? The creator. The creator, yeah. I've, I've liked that. I've liked, I've been um, liking everything I've seen since CinemaCon where we first were introduced to this movie. Um, kind of looks like Rogue One, because maybe the director did Rogue One. I mean, yeah, it's the same, yeah, it's the same Rogue director. Rogue One-ish, yeah, like you said, D- District 9, I get a a better uh, Will Smith, what was that um, artificial intelligence movie? AI. AI, right? Was, well, no, no, it was called... No, was that was called? a Steven Spielberg movie. It's called iRobot. Oh, iRobot, iRobot. Yeah, iRobot. Yeah, yeah. Like a little bit of that there. Um, that, that has to be it. Uh, Wonka, probably... 
with the, it all depends on what we see with the Oompa Loompas and a lot of the fantastic stuff that go on with it. Um, Napoleon too. I mean, we saw Napoleon. We saw the the little scene. It's going to be traumatizing visual effects. Oh, it's going to be very traumatizing because it yeah. has to do with the war or war. But I, I would say creator. What about you, Jonathan? That. What do you think is going to be or, or the? I mean, I, I think we all agree Dune Two is probably the front runner. But what do you th see as the main contenders for that? I feel like we've seen so much Rise of the Beasts, and it's looked like past uh, Transformers yeah. movies. Um, <clears throat> And a lot of Barbie was practical. That set was practical and stuff. I, I honestly think, yeah, I'm going to have to go creator. Yeah, at least from what we're seeing right now. We may change our minds once we watch the movie and think it looks like crap. Yeah, it comes out pretty soon, too. I think there's an early access in September, I believe. I can't remember. Yeah, I, I was looking at the app, and I put remind me. I believe it said sometime in September. So, All right, guys. Well, the question is for you. And by the way, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which they did mention in there, uh, I, uh, me and Anne and a couple of friends of ours watched it again last night, and the visual effects are so great. <laughs> With the little baby raccoons. Just the little raccoon oh, is enough man. to win the Academy Award. Oh, yeah. Anyway, guys, what do you think? What do you think are the front? Do you agree that Dune 2 has to be considered the front runner, considering how good the last one looked, and it's probably just going to up it from there. Do you think there's another film in here that might be able to sneak into this race? Whatever you guys think, let us know in the comments section. All right. With that down, guys, let's now start taking your questions, which is what we're here to do. And we're going to start off by going over to the tip link questions. So, Jonathan, what do we got? Just Jay Newby writes, I agree with you, John. Um, the use of time travel can feel lazy. However, I think the time traveler's wife is amazing. What did you think of it when it came out? Uh, Eric Bana was great in it, too. I highly recommend the book as well. Look, as much as I really don't like the use of time travel in movies, there are undoubtedly a couple of movies where it worked really well. I mean, I'll often go, obviously, there's Back to the Future. And the one I often go to, actually, that uses time travel is Star Trek IV, uh, The Voyage Home. Mm -hmm. That that might be my favorite time travel movie, actually. Uh, the Time Traveler's Wife is okay. By the way, whatever happened to Eric Bana? He was starting to take off. He was in the Hulk, the <laughs> first Hulk movie. Was the he one the last movie like I about. saw him in was with uh, Adam Sandler. Remember that? No. Um, I'll look it up real quick, but yeah. Um, and then he was in He was in the one with Brad Pitt, uh, uh, the, the, um, where, he, where Brad Pitt played Achilles. Oh, was, um... What was oh, the name? Yeah, it, um, Orlando Troy. Bloom was in it too. Troy, Troy, that's that. right. Where he played Orlando Bloom's brother. But I mean, he's Dude, a, Munich was great. He's oh, he was really great in Munich. Uh, Munich, he was great in Munich. Yes, he was great in Munich. Who's Munich? He's just one of <laughs> no, these guys Munich, that Munich. was really, really good. And then for some reason, he just kind of disappeared. I anyway, back to the main question. I, I thought the time traveler's life was okay. I, I didn't particularly love it, but I did love Eric Bana. The All movie right. was funny. People. Funny people. Okay. Yeah. Which I, oh, the one he did with Seth Rogen. Yes. I did. Yeah, that, I love long. Adam Sandler. It, it was I an Apatow film, right? It was. Judd yeah. Apatow film. I didn't really like it. It, it was, was really weird. It was like three hours almost. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what's next? Uh, the Dumb of All Fears. Saw TMNT Mutant Mayhem. It's it's a great fun movie, but I hate its art style and animation. Aww. Sony created something amazing with Spider-Verse, and that helps immerse you in the story but his imitators cannot recreate the magic and it's frustratingly distracting. Well, listen, here's the re here's the reality. Um, art style is yet another art subjective thing when it comes to the art of making movies. I thought the art style for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was pure perfection for a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. And by the way, it's not the same art style 
as Spider-Man across Spider-Verse, like at all. Mm-hmm. It's influenced a little bit, you know, maybe. There, there, sure, there are things that kind of give similarities, but I mean, in reality, the, the art style of the movie matched the chaoticness and the immaturity, if you will, mm-hmm. of the turtles themselves. Like, when, for example, when you're looking at a light bulb is hanging on the ceiling and it's casting a glow in a dark room. The glow bits was was very. <laughs> it's like an early render of a movie, right? And about it the kind lady's of, face was terrifying. Which one? The lady, the main lady, the one that was working behind the oh, scenes. Oh yeah, yeah. Or like crooked face. <laughs> a lot of it, those were crazy. I just it was it was an art artistic style that matched the DNA of the movie. Right, right. And so I, I actually thought it worked really well. But hey, listen again, it's an art style. It's subjective. It may not have hit you the same way that hit me, and that's perfectly okay. But I got to tell you, man, honestly, for me, as somebody who was not looking forward to that movie, I got to say it really worked for me. I, I would also take, I take the the word like imitate back a little bit too, because they were already working on, it's not like, it's not like they scrambled that together. Like, Ooh, this looks really good. Let's copy that for TMNT. Like they had already been working on it. It's just, it's just that the Spider-Man movie came out first. So and well, t- were they working on it back in 2018? I'm talking about for the second one. Are oh, you talking about the second for one? For Across. Well, we, so we had Into the Spider-Verse was already out there yeah. with the art style. But the art style was different for, even from the two Spider-Man films. A little felt, bit. So. Yeah, it, did, it, it matured a bit. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't even think the two art styles are all that similar. No. But that's just me. And all right, we got we to got oh, move yeah, on. Okay, What's okay. next? Yeah, Ray. All right, Capri Green. <laughs> no, I was just going to mention Wish. Capri. Have you seen that? It's so much different from Pixar, too. For, oh, Wish? Like, everyone's getting away from the traditional Trying animation. to get its own unique It's look. great. Yeah. It's progressing. It's great. What's next? Capri Grant writes, uh, regarding Disney's current ailments, I believe it puts the complete acquisition of Hulu next year in jeopardy. Given Hulu content is generally superior to Disney Plus originals, would consolidating Hulu into Disney Plus give Disney any reason to pull back? Uh, Disney Plus originals content and focus strictly on Hulu branded content. Think one project a year for Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, um, Disney Animation, Nat Geo, but go all in on Hulu. This way, Disney Plus becomes more how you suggested, John. Well, the problem... Here's the thing. What I think they're ultimately building towards is that they will do what they have done in international markets. And there's a lot of international markets where Hulu, which isn't called Hulu, like in other places, like Star, whatever, it's literally integrated into Disney+. Plus. I do see, which they can't really do right now because uh, Comcast, Universal, NBC Universal, is still part owner of Hulu. Like a lot of people forget that. Disney does not outright own Hulu. Comcast, NBC Universal is still a part owner. But I think once they own Hulu in its totality, I think they're going to eventually, maybe not immediately, they're going to follow suit and make Hulu another section on Disney+. Plus. And then it's going to be all one shop. They'll put in an age restriction thing on Hulu for the adult content like they do in other territories. And that's the way I probably see them going. Make no mistake, though, Disney Plus's viewership exponentially is bigger than Hulu's. Like exponentially. So, I, I mean, that the Disney Plus is still the daddy channel. That's the daddy <laughs> channel. But I think they will incorporate Hulu into it. All right, what's next? All right. JCSC writes, Mr. Campia, I do not take kindly to your comments about my future wife, Amelia Clark. <laughs> Admittedly, she wasn't great in Secret Invasion. And Last Christmas. And Terminator Genesis were awful movies. But do you ever start a sentence only to forget the point? (laughs) (laughs) Quite often. Um, Yeah, that came up. Listen, I've gotten more than one message from people. Yeah, man, you really went off on her. (laughs) 
think it was. It wasn't even about her. That's the best part. About her. That is an unfair characterization of what I said. I know. I know. But I started feeling bad. I was like. No, I'll just the, the the issue of Amelia Clark came up, and I and I said on the show the other day, was look, I, I I think she's wonderful. I thought she was absolutely fantastic on Game of Thrones. Like everybody thinks she's fantastic. She, she was. She was wonderful in that role. But I, I'm just calling it as I see it. She has not impressed me. And obviously, it's not the actor's fault if it's a bad script or a bad movie. But I'm saying just from a pure performance point of view. As a fan, I have not been impressed with her performances in her Terminator movie, in that Christmas movie she did. Mm -hmm. I certainly don't think she did anything to elevate the material in Secret Invasion and whatever the, the fourth one was there. I, all I said was, look, she's clearly shown she has the potential. She's got... Her performances in Game of Thrones was great. I'm just saying... I have yet to have somebody put a project in front of me that makes me believe she can sustain that, that she did that. Cause I, come on guys, seriously, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying what, what else has she been good in? I will say her name being attached to secret invasion. Got did, a lot of interest in get, Did get me interested yep. in watching it more than I was before. Absolutely. That's all I could say about that. <laughs> all right. What's next? Michael Jones with a $20 tip. Sun, um, Sunday was the 24th anniversary of the debut of The Sixth Sense. Wow. De debuted to $26.7 million, then proceeded to drop 3%, then 7%, and 16% over the next three weekends. And on its fifth weekend, Labor Day weekend, it jumped up 14%. It would gross $293 domestic and $672 worldwide. Every once in a while. I mean, you can't use that example. See, that means this other movie can do it too. No, no, but every once in a while. There are these exceptional films that capture lightning in a bottle with six cents. I remember that was a movie came out to no fanfare, like none. And then once it was out, it was one of those water cooler movies where mm -hmm. all of a sudden everybody started talking about it because it was the birth of the M night twist. What a twist. And what a twist. <laughs> but I knew I, I caught the twist halfway through. Uh, did you? Yep. I got to admit, I didn't. When I, he, I'm not going to, I still won't spoil it, even though it's 24 freaking years old, but I'm just going to know the scene where I know what happened. Bruce Willis is dead went, the whole time. He went to open. Get, it's a 24. If somebody hasn't watched it by now, they're not yeah. interested. But he I'll went to open the basement door and the table was moved in front of it. And he couldn't open it. And I'm like, oh my God, I know what's going on. See, yeah. I, I it, like some other movies, like uh, another M. Night movie. Where, where's the one where they're all living in the woods? The, the Village. The Village. The village okay. Dude, I saw that one coming don't from even 10 get miles started. away. Right? Don't even get me um, started on that. But they were in a, in a in in. It was in modern day, it and you're supposed to think it's day. like the 1600s. Oh, yeah, right. um, a movie like Usual Suspects, um, stuff like. But I got to admit, when Sixth Sense happened, because they do that thing where they re near the end of the movie they start replaying all the different yeah. scenes in the movie, and I'm that's like, that's my favorite one. I got to admit, it totally I mean, got six. me. It really did. Sorry, it caught it did me, me completely too. off guard. It did get me too. Yeah. But it, it just, not many movies can replicate what that one did. I mean, and unfortunately, M. Night then spent the next number of years trying to replicate what he did with that. And it kind of became a joke that M. Night's going to have the big twist. I know. You'd like to look for it after that. It kind of ruined him a little bit. You know what started getting me back on board with M. Night? Um, the, the one, visit? The visit. The visit. That, that started, I was like, oh. Like, I, I didn't mind old either. Oh, you know what? Old, 
Old was really interesting. I, I I actually, I like that movie. I don't think it's great. Anything that makes me think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? A little bit. Yeah, I, I would, I'd love to see him make a comeback, just not be yeah. trying Twisty to be. Twister. Like the, the head, like twister. what was it? The cover of Time Magazine, the next Steven Spielberg. Like, Twisty no, Twister. <laughs> All right, what's next? All right, uh, DNGR4963. Hi, John. Um, you always say RDJ and Chris Evans will eventually return to the MCU. However, if you retire before they return, I think you have to take the L on this one. I don't no. see how. No, why? Why? It's not like it. once John retires, things stop. Yeah, it's not like the world <laughs> stops turning. They'll, they'll, There's they'll, no time limit on it, man. <laughs> yeah. they'll, they'll be, listen, I've always said, I'm not saying it'll be this month. I'm not saying it'll be in the next three months. I'm not saying it'll be in the next three years, but it, it's going to happen. They will. And whether it's a big or a small thing, but I like I plan to retire probably sometime in 2025. I mean, I, I could shorten that. I might lengthen it a bit, but that's kind of where retire. It may not be until after that, but no, I'm not, yeah. not taking the loss on that. They will. All right, what's next? <laughs> uh, JM None Other writes, like you, have, like you, I haven't seen Sound of Freedom, but as of this writing, Sound of Freedom, 15 million budget, has made more domestically than MI7. The story of Disney having this film on shelf since 2018 is nuts and missed out on making money off small budget. It's there's a whole thing surrounding that. Like that's one of the movies that I haven't watched. Like I haven't watched Insidious, haven't watched this one. There's been a couple of movies I haven't watched lately. That's one of the ones I haven't seen that really doesn't interest me. Uh, there is also though with Sound of Freedom an incredible political movement behind it to get people to go see it. Basically, if it's you're part of a certain political persuasion, you're supposed to go see this movie. Now, I can't speak to the quality of it, good or bad, because I haven't seen it. I, I Let me make one comment about this, though. I'll say this. Um, there have been, and we've seen this before, there have been some claims going around that supposed booked theaters uh, there was a particular YouTube video of this girl saying, look, here it is. And she did a video of it. Here's Sound of Freedom. The booking, the theater was practically full. She goes, now here I am at this movie theater. And walked into the theater with video. Empty, right? Here's the problem with that. And, and, and so you've had a bunch of people running around saying, uh, you know, any claims that anybody went to go see Sound of Freedom is just made up and bullshit and all kinds of stuff. We, the problem is we've seen that before, right? Remember Captain Marvel? Remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're like, there was oh, that, empty theaters. There was that whole thing where, where somebody put up, I went into the see Captain Marvel and they took a picture of an empty movie theater, right? Well, Dan Merle did a great dive into that saying, well, it just so happens that the guy that posted that picture has been railing against Captain Marvel for talking about how it's just this woke was going to bomb and blah, blah, blah. Really, that guy went to go see opening night of Captain yeah. And we, as it turns out, it was all just bullshit. Just a desperate attempt to discredit it. And made over a billion. And it made over a billion dollars. What I would say is, while it's great that this one girl and people are using this video, like did video instead of a photo, here's what wasn't in the video. What wasn't in the video was her with the camera walking down the hallway, showing her watch to show exactly what time yeah. it is. It could have been 40 minutes before the movie. Right. It, it could have been an hour before the movie. Yeah. Right. And she didn't show herself walking down the thing and then showing this is theater seven that I'm walking into, it's just her outside of the theater saying, I'm at the theater, and then next it cuts to her being in a movie theater that's empty. It's like, oh, come on, haven't we seen this song and dance that? before? People took that bait? Come on. Look, what, what, I, what I would say is this. It is ridiculously irritating as a commentator 
and as a film fan, when I see brain dead people who just want to discredit any other film that they may not be interested in having success, like the pathetic losers who try to do the, no, no, Disney bought all the tickets for Captain Marvel. That's why I made, like, you've never had anybody touch your penis, have you? Um, it's pathetic, but it's equally as pathetic for something like this. Like, okay, so a hundred, I don't know what it's made at the box. Like $165 million is what it's made. Okay. I don't care if it's a politically motivated movie. I don't care whatever. If, if people want to go see it, people want to go see it. Why do you care? If you're somebody who doesn't want to watch the movie, why do you care if other people do want to go yeah. watch the movie? I, I, anyway. I, I got to bring note to this movie. You know mom, right? She, she. Do is, I know mom? No, 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 no. Sounds she, familiar. No, I, Rings a you bell. You know mom. Yes. <laughs> She's very religious. Yes. Uh, her and her friend actually went to go see that this movie uh, the past, last weekend. She came back. She said, oh, do you know any other movies like that? It was really good. She didn't really have us. I don't know what the movie's about, so I don't know whatever yeah. the drama I mean, there is. There have been a lot of people that have been questioning. Like, there are a lot of stuff out there about the validity of the movie and how oh, okay. real, how true the true event. But, but regardless. But she liked it. It was just, she was entertained is what I'm right. saying. And movies are supposed to entertain you. Supposed to, what? I you just know? don't understand that if a movie's not for you, that's fine. Yeah. Right. I like again the 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 contemporary movie right now is the cities. I just I saw the trailers, didn't interest me, I didn't go see it, right? But just because I didn't want to see it, I don't feel the need that I have to try to for some reason ruin the experience for other people who did want to go see it. Sound of Freedom clearly for me was not a movie I was interested in, so I didn't go see it. But and I can understand others not wanting to see it or not caring about it. But why should we begrudge anybody else who does want to go see it and enjoy it? I've just never understood that mentality. I never will. Um, it's, it's, I'll, I'll use the word. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. Watch what you want to watch. Let other people watch what they want to watch and don't make it a personal issue to you that other people want to watch something that you don't want to see. Oh, sex anyway. court TV. Sex court you, TV. Baby. That's right. Mind don't judge business. Ray. Mind your business. Don't judge Ray for his <laughs> subscription history. All right. What's next? Richard writes, hi, John, to expand more on Taylor Swift. Okay, let's get into this. Along with the 100000 each to the truck drivers, her dad was the one who delivered the checks, and Taylor wrote hand handwritten letters to each of them. Uh, any seating is great or good at the concert, big stage, and screen. I, was this something you guys talked about on the weekend? Sorry, let me see that again. Because I don't remember us talking about this. No, 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 no. You sure her dad was the one who delivered the checks? Oh, okay, so yeah, so what, so what was going around is... And by the way, right now, filling my YouTube thing is people posting their concert clips from the Taylor Swift concert. Which still looks boring to me, but hey, if you had fun, awesome. Uh, I, I mean, I just, I just can't believe the size of the crowds at these things. It's it, the, the How do you sell out five nights at SoFi She's Stadium? Killing it. I have no idea, but. She's a killer. It's, a, it's, the, Barbie, said, it's the Barbie effect, man. It's the height. You got to be there now. It's the height. It's got, you got to be there. But I mean, she is, she's the biggest star in America. I mean, that's mm -hmm. it. But. And I am by no means, a, what, what, I, I was educated, they're called Swifties. Yes. Yeah. I am by no means a Swifty. But, I'm a little Swifty. But I got to get, oh, You're a little, little Shifty. I'll, I'll give it, so this story came out the other day, Jonathan, that it's a, it's a huge undertaking. This tour of hers is a huge undertaking. Sure. And she gave, on top of their contracts, she gave her crew, which is a massive amount of people, 
$100,000 bonus each, which if I read the reports right, accumulated to $55 million. She's going to turn an MC Hammer. <laughs> Blow all that money, giving it away. Except she has more money than MC Hammer ever did. That's true. Right? And it's it was just nice to see. It's yeah. nice to see somebody... Somebody, especially somebody that's on her level. It's it's kind of cool to see something like that. All right, what's next? Voice of Chopper. Ahsoka first two episodes are reportedly one hour and 36 minutes and 36 sec seconds combined. But is that an hour for the first and 36 for the second? You know? Yeah, I mean, it could be. But really, that means it's averaging out to about 45 yeah. to 48 minutes an episode, which we've seen a couple of MCU shows do that, and then their episode lengths drop. Look, at the end of the day, am I happier to see longer episodes? Yes. You still got to be good. Because if those Obi-Wan episodes were longer, it wouldn't have helped the thing. It actually should have been shorter and made into a movie. But so we'll see. I personally have a lot of belief in this Ahsoka show. I, I have loved what I've seen from it so far, uh, which is very limited, admittedly. But I think the marketing has been sharp. I loved Rebels. And, and that's what Ahsoka really is. Ahsoka really is the live action next season of Rebels. That's mm -hmm. ultimately what it is. And I loved Rebels. I love Rosario Dawson in this role. And uh, until I watch it and start to believe otherwise, I'm holding out hope that this is going to be really good. All right, what's next? Tech writes, have an idea on how to beat Barbenheimer. Remember how Avengers 5 and 6 were supposed to come out six months apart? Have them come out the same day and make the most successful double feature ever. <laughs> oh Just kidding, God. but I wonder what stunt studios will try to recreate. You know what, though? You bring up a really interesting point. I remember back when Matrix 2 and 3. Because remember, they shot those at the same time. They shot 2 and 3 back to back. And then they released about... It was about six months apart. Can you look up the release dates for Matrix 2 and Matrix 3? But I believe they're about six or seven months apart, those two movies. And, um, oh, I just got, I'll show you the invite I got later. Um, sex Court uh, TV. <laughs> sex Court TV. Your new show is just pointed, posted. Update from Sex Court TV. Um, so they had this thing where it released really close to each other. And I remember there was a brief discussion came up in some circles I was in about what if they just released them at the same yeah, time? Yeah, it was six December. months apart. What's that? It was nine months, I believe. Nine months? Um, okay. I see. I have so May and November. Just... Yeah, yeah. What do you have? May and November, so oh, six okay, months. Six months. Six months apart. So I remember this, which I loved. Because, you know, you go into theater, you watch a movie, and sometimes you got to wait two or three years for the next one. If you're really lucky, you only have to wait one year for the next one. This is one where they put it out six months later. Well, we were blessed to get these so close together, too. Oh, it's, I mean, yeah, the third <laughs> one didn't turn out so great. I really like the second one. I know most people didn't love the second one. I, I loved the second Matrix. But I remember the discussion started coming up about, should they have just released them on the same day? And thinking about how crazy of a movie going experience that would have been to like walk into the theater, watch one, leave, maybe go grab dinner, come back a couple hours later, go in to watch the second one. I mean, it would have made for a really crazy weekend of the box office for sure. Mm -hmm. Was back to the future part two and three released like in short. Time? They were, I think they were shot Six together, months. but it was November 1989 and then May 1990. I guess they did. Yeah. I don't remember that. That's a little bit earlier. Yeah, because those were those two were just like that shot together. And Kill Bill too was six months. Well, that was well, shot as one film. That was supposed to be one movie. Oh, okay. So um, I almost said Oliver Stone, Quentin Tarantino, 
made Kill Bill as a movie. And then the Weinstein saw how long how long the movie was, said, nah, you gotta cut it in half. <laughs> and and Tarantino didn't like that. But uh, to the company's credit, it did end up making double the money it would have made if it just released as one movie. Mm-hmm. So I would love it if they did something like that someday. I would love for like whether it's a Marvel franchise, a DC franchise, a Star Trek franchise, a James Bond franchise, if they had like two movies and they released them on the same weekend and you got to go watch both in the same week. That would be pretty fun. I would love to see them do that as an experiment. All right, what's next? Richard B. writes, Hi, John, I know Anne is a Monkey Island fan. She is. Has she had a chance to play the Sea of Thieves Monkey Island crossover yet? Also, do you think Monkey Island, which is owned by Disney via Lucasfilm, could be made into a movie or is it too similar to... P-O-T-C. Here's a, that's Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh. Um, and guys, please don't write in acronyms. But here's the thing. If you made a Monkey Island movie, it would be Monkey Island in name only. Right? You can't... The the nature of the game, and I haven't oh, played it, yeah. but I sat in watching Anne play it and finish the games. <laughs> I don't think she played the crossover one. But... Uh, so, yeah, there would be a lot of similarities and comparisons to Pirates of the Caribbean, but... I, Again, it would be Monkey Island and Namel. You wouldn't actually follow. You'd have the main guy, and then you'd have what's the main villain's name again? LeChuck. Oh, oh yeah, I don't. I think yeah, it's LeChuck. So. And then the Thor point or whatever. So yeah, doing. you'd have LeChuck as your bad guy, <laughs> sure, but you'd be making up your own story. So I, I plus it's not. I don't think it's popular enough that you can make a movie out of it's, it. It's too clever to even make into a movie because there's so many things that you have to discover and stuff. I don't know how. It, that would translate into how a movie. do you replicate that yeah, experience yeah, to be, in the movie? Yeah. To be a monkey island. And Sea of Thieves, he's talking about, is an online multiplayer pirate game. Right. And they just added an expansion that included like oh, that's monkey right. islands. I remember, yeah. I remember I watched a little bit. I Sam Whitwer was oh. was doing so. I would watch him play a little. Oh, does he play it? I saw him play. I think it was him I saw him play a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, anyway, hey guys, listen, we're going to keep going with the questions that you guys have sent in, but before we do, we're going to take a quick break here and thank two of the sponsors of today's episode, our friends at BetterHelp and HelloFresh. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Think about it. The person you were five years ago is not the exact person that you are today. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. And guys, striving for better mental Mental health is something we should all aspire to. I've talked about this before, but when somebody goes to the gym, we applaud them for getting out there to improve their physical health. Well, it's about time that we start looking at mental health the same way, not just by encouraging the people around us to look into therapy, but by also taking the step to take care of our own mental health as well. So listen, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash campia today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash campia. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of today's video, 
HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Fall is right around the corner and HelloFresh is here to help you plan for the busy season ahead with tasty dishes delivered to your door. Simply choose your recipes and pick your delivery date, then lay back and enjoy the last days of summer knowing that dinner is covered. Feel like you would love a wholesome homemade meal, but there's just not enough time? Well, with HelloFresh, all you need is 15 minutes and you'll be enjoying a tasty, satisfying meal made in your own kitchen. Just look for their quick and easy dinner options, plus quick breakfasts and lunches too. My wife Ann and I are both working professionals and dinner time is always stressful and time consuming. And that's one of the main reasons we absolutely love HelloFresh and we always end up with a great dinner. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 50campia and use the code 50campia for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, that's hellofresh.com slash 50campia and use the code 50campia. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And thank you to our friends at BetterHelp and HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode. All right, guys, with that down, let's keep things rolling here. What do we got up next? Brandon writes, uh, hi, John, have you ever considered getting uh, on Letterboxd? It's a social media app for film fans where you can review and rank movies and view other film fans' takes on movies. I find it very useful to keep track of all the movies I've seen in a year. No, I, I, I get asked that every month or two. Somebody asks me about, actually, I just did an open mic it. this weekend and somebody asked me about Letterboxd. No, I've, I've never been on Letterboxd. I, I don't need yet another app that I need to be on to stuff to be. And by the way, I'm not... I'm not putting down Letterboxd or, or trying to dissuade anybody else from using it. Not at all. I'm just saying I don't need yet another thing that I need to be on to track and talk about movie stuff. I We got the podcast. We got the YouTube channel. Very happy just doing it here. But that it's great for everybody else who's using it. All right. What's next? All right. On to Supers. Uh, Kevin Rubio writes, uh, you know, John, you've been... You've not been right on this on a single Barbie prediction. Sure, you don't want to amend your final one. Well, I only had <laughs> I've only Romeo. had one Barbie prediction, which yeah. was I didn't think it would make a I like how this dollars. multiplies into like multiple predictions. <laughs> yes, I've been one. The pages and pages. And come on, Kevin. Kevin's a friend. <laughs> Kevin's a friend of mine, by the way. It's like I have I made like this long laundry list. I had one prediction, which by the way, most people agreed with me initially. That Barbie was not going to be a billion dollar. All film. right, okay, man. But hey, Kevin, I agree. I agree <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was that now, it, boy. <laughs> now, and then what I've been saying lately about it is that while I still don't think it will catch Mario Brothers, <laughs> I cannot discount that it very well may because as I've been pointing out for the last week or so, it's at Barbie is pacing ahead, and like. Like when you take the number of days that it's been in release, Barbie is ahead of where Mario was the same number of days it was in release, right? <laughs> now, the only so then you might say, well, John, why don't you think it's an automatic that it'll catch if it's pacing ahead of it? The only reason I, I don't think it's an automatic is because, as I keep pointing out, people will go back to see Barbie one, two, three times. But with Mario, you had the kids factor. And with the kids, like we've got a friend with kids and like their kid got them to go back to the theater four, five, six times in families. And that's why I think that once you got past the billion dollar mark, I don't know that Barbie will have the same legging out that, that Mario was, but 
I ain't sitting here telling you what won't happen. I can't discount it because it <laughs> is pacing ahead. It's pacing out of it. I mean, so it's we'll cr- see. It's cr- the only thing that makes me feel like it has a chance is because its weekday takes are like t- 15, 12 million dollars. You know what? You know what's, here's what drives me crazy too. Like, it's over. Let me throw let me throw this back to Kevin. This is one thing that drives me crazy. Oh, Kevin. The once a year. The once a year where I get like something like Barbie that I I hey listen, I I call myself on it every day. I did not think I say it every day. I didn't think Barbie would get to a billion initially. There are a lot but of haters. Nobody, nobody then mentions the 20 other movies a year that people insist <laughs> to me are going to hit a billion dollars. And I say, no, Flash is not going to hit a billion dollars. No, Mission Impossible. Nobody wants to bring those up. But the hey, one but time a year that I'm wrong, Kevin, look that's what you the did, one Kevin. everybody throws in my Kevin, face. Hey, but you Blue Beetle, Do you know, I Blue still Beetle get people. I still get people to this Facebook. day. What, because like most people, no DC film, no DCEU film had made a billion dollars. And... I did not think Aquaman would make a billion. I said, it's going to be a big hit. It's going to make money. But I did not think it was going to hit a billion. And Aquaman hit a billion. Kevin. But to this day, that's what, well, you know, John, remember when you said Aquaman was going to hit a billion? Yes, I get it. Now, there are 200 other films that See? I said we're not going to hit a billion, and they have it. But we're going to talk about the one from 2018. See? The perks of being stupid. I said a blue beetle will make a billion. I said Flash will make a billion. No one writes in. Nobody writes in to talk to See, Ray. That's what being stupid pays off, baby. Kevin, <laughs> this means for you, buddy. <laughs> you the man now, dog. All right, what's next? All right, man. moving moving quickly on from that. Uh, Fangblade seventy one. Don't or do don't you think the Marvels has a decent chance at competing with Mario and Barbie? Number one box office, first one did hit one billion. The context is very different now. Yeah, I don't know. The context is very, very different now. Um, And like, even if there was no other uh, extenuating circumstance, and there are other extenuating circumstances, but even if there weren't, just the fact that Marvels (laughs) is now coming off of Secret Invasion, which to be kind had mixed results with people. People hate it. Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it right up until the finale. And then the finale just crapped the bed and it's like, oh God. And it's just left a really bad taste in people's mouths. And now you've got, it basically ends with uh, Nick Fury going back into space where we then find him in the Marvel's trailers, right? So, I mean, I think that has soured a lot of people. You've got, now many movies introduce new characters, but not many movies have characters in them that have already been introduced, but in another medium that a lot of the audience may not have seen yet. The Marvels is not just Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. You've got Photon and you got Ms. Marvel. Characters that are not new, but anybody who doesn't have Disney Plus has never even seen them yet. Right? We've never seen them, never heard of them. They've done a terrible job making the public aware of who these characters are. And... Listen, yeah, and Captain Marvel did make a billion dollars. But while I liked Captain Marvel, it's a good little movie. I liked it. But it wasn't great, and it wasn't top top tier MCU. So yeah, a lot of people went out to see it, billion dollar movie. But even if they just did a straight up Captain Marvel sequel one year later, I don't think that one would have made a billion dollars. And I don't think this one will too. Listen, I hope it's great, and I hope it does make a billion dollars. But I just don't see it happening. Ain't nothing beating Barbie. Barbie. Pack it up. 
Pack it up. Dune it's, 2 could beat Barbie. It's over. No, it's over. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying Dune 2 <laughs> has a chance of, of beating whatever Barbie ends up with. All right, what's next? Fang Blaze is back. Tom Kenny is coming to my city's Comic-Con this November, so I have to go. I've never been to a Comic-Con before, so I'm extremely excited. I wish I could tell you who Tom Kenny is. He's the voice of SpongeBob. Oh. Oh, my God. I was just having this conversation with somebody about, again, listen, we all things we don't like or isn't for us, but we, every once in a while there's something you just don't get why other people do. I don't get the appeal of SpongeBob. It's just imagine. It's just I get, imagination. I'm not, I'm not crapping on anybody who does, and I'm not crapping on SpongeBob. I'm just saying I, I just don't get the appeal of it. I, I never watched SpongeBob, but that first movie was pretty good. Oh, I saw that movie. Yeah, yeah, the first one where uh, what was it, Bikini Bottom, whatever, whatever that movie was. I have never seen a SpongeBob movie, so I have no idea. Yeah. All right, what's next? Fang Blaze is back again. A lot of times, movies are marketed as filmed in IMAX, but yep. only have a few scenes in IMAX. Is it more expensive to use IMAX for the whole movie, or is it just a style choice to use it in certain scenes? It is more expensive. Christopher Nolan has has done some good stuff talking about shooting in IMAX, and you should go and look that up. But it's. It is more expensive because it's far more difficult and it's way more of a hassle. Right. Um, it's just a more difficult experience trying to shoot in IMAX. Because and it's such a bigger... You're, the rig you're is catching bigger. A bigger They're frame. getting smaller. Yeah. But, I mean, now you literally have cinema cameras. It used to be that cinema cameras you have to mount on these giant things. and But now, like, you have these 8K cinema cameras that can fit in one hand. But IMAX, yeah, ones there, it's just more difficult. Again, I've obviously never shot an IMAX, but I highly encourage you go look up some of the stuff that Chris, about Christopher Nolan talking about shooting an IMAX, some of the unique challenges that presents as well, because he explains it far better than I ever could. All right, what's next? Zashan writes, uh, big lack of marketing for AMC A-list with Barbenheimer, MI7, and Blue Beetle. I should be seeing it everywhere, but I don't. Would be such a big loss. I honestly believe... If AMC saved their shekels from throwing that Don't burn in it. hell fucking we come to this place. Don't do it. Nicole Kidman spot every single time. 28 million. Because I'll tell you where I've never seen A-list, which is A-list, which is the best thing in the world for movie fans. Nothing out there is a better deal for movie I love fans my than AMC A-list. But you want to know where I've never seen A-list marketed? Anywhere. Anywhere outside of an AMC theater, mm -hmm. I have never seen AMC A-list marketed. You know, it's funny. So I was, uh, oh, it was Sunday. I went to go see Prince, Princess Mononoke. But the people behind us were like, oh, well, what's A-list? Because they got into that yellow line. Yeah. And he was like, dude, I love this. It's, it's three movies a week. He's like, no. Three movies a month, right? He's like, three no, movies three a movies week. three movies a week. And da, da, da. And they're like, what? I got to get this. I've never heard of this. So you're yeah. right. Like, a lot of people don't know. Like, <laughs> like this, and this is part of the reason why I often question the sanity of the people who are in leadership over at AMC theaters. It's like, okay, you'll spend whatever money on this and that and all these other things and experiment with these idiotic, let's do target zone seat pricing, where for the better seats, they do all this idiotic stuff. They run the same ad for 5,000 years in front of every goddamn movie I have yeah. to go to see. But you know what they haven't spent one penny on? The best product they have, which is A-list. They should be taking whatever marketing budgets they have and promoting to the world, take out some TV spots, put up some ads on YouTube, mm -hmm. do, put up some damn billboards, like saying, hey guys, 22 bucks a month, you get three movies a week, 
No upcharges for 3D, if you want to watch that nonsense. No upcharges for IMAX. No upcharges for AMC Prime. Any movie, anytime, AMC screens, 20-something bucks a month, and you get to see, you know, average four weeks. I think you get to see 12 movies. They need to be, it's the best thing they've got, and they don't advertise it unless you're already inside an AMC theater. Even aside from that, the rewards. I the have, rewards are fantastic. Dude, I have like $90 in rewards I still can activate because you get you rack up points, and every 5,000 points you get $5. <laughs> so I have like $90. Plus, I've been using the AMC credit card just to like pay something, whatever it is, and then immediately pay it off so I don't rack up a debt. But you get like all double or sometimes quadruple the points with that. I have so much money. I go to the concession stand. I never spend money. Yeah, but, and you know, not only commercials, it would be great if there was like a live YouTube show that would promote A-List that's sponsored <laughs> by AMC. You yeah. know, they really well, crapped up. I, 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 despite the fact that I ran AMC Movie News for right. so many years, I have burned any bridge I have. of, of I'm ever just saying, No, I'm just saying now, back listen, then, we would have been the day, great. Back in the day, the two people most responsible for AMC A-List was, due to was a friend of mine, he was the chief marketing officer of AMC Theaters when I was there. His name was Steven, brilliant dude. Um, and Jerry, who was the CEO of AMC, yep. two brilliant, brilliant men. And AMC A-List, they were the architects of this AMC A-List thing. And it is the absolute best product they have. And it, it continues to be that I love my AMC. It's probably the only reason I still go to AMC theaters is because of A-List and how good it is. And yet they don't market it. Like, what are you doing? What, like, what, what are you doing? You think putting, making the audience see Nicole Kidman walking into an empty movie theater for the <laughs> 500th time, you think that's what's going to get more people in AMC? That's why do you advertise outside of AMC theaters? Advertise A-list, because I guarantee you, I think they would double their subscribers. $28 million for that Nicole Kidman campaign. Three-month ad campaign, double their, AMC, <laughs> their A-list subscribers. I if guarantee they go it. If they go bankrupt, it's their own fault. Because you're right. Every time... I bring it up to somebody who's never, first of all, it's crazy how many people have never even heard of it. And whenever I explain it to them, they're like, exactly the reaction you said, no. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, for 20 bucks a month, I get to go see like 10 plus movies a month. Yeah, that's you kinda, totally do. That's kind of recession buster right there. I mean, geez. Anyway, sorry, getting sidetracked. All right, what's next? Okay. Um, D train writes on your last open mic. You said you only do spoiler reviews for movies. A majority of people have seen. So then why no spoiler reviews for Barbie Oppenheimer or mission impossible? Okay. So two different reasons. One is I never expected Barbie to make that much money and I won't do a spoiler review. I don't do, I don't review a movie if I don't do it within two to three days that it opens in theaters. I won't review a movie and I won't do a spoiler review for a movie after its opening weekend. Usually when I do a spoiler review, uh, we do open spoiler videos. We'll do it like on the Sunday of its first weekend. But I simply never expected Barbie or Oppenheimer to make that much money. And uh, Mission Impossible only made like 50 million opening weekend. So I, I really didn't, I didn't see them. But now, now there, would, there will sometimes be movies that might make 50 million opening weekend that I will do an open spoiler discussion for if it's one that I've been super excited about. Um, but yeah, I mean, and by the way, there's no hard and fast rule. It's just that, you know, I, I do the ones that I feel like doing. But And, and if, with and Barbie and, and Oppenheimer, I, I just didn't see them having that, that level of success. And there wasn't really anything really spoilerish to talk about. I think Barbie's message was loud and clear. I think uh, Yeah, with Barbie, there is no spoiler discussion yeah, to have, so, really. I mean, like it doesn't make, maybe Mission Impossible out of all them, 
and we did have something ready. It's just it just never went through, right? Yeah, Remember? we just never we never yeah. actually did it. All right, what's next? Christopher Brickner writes on your on your video about the chances Chris Nolan wins Best Director. You made a mistake, as Ridley Scott has never won an Oscar, uh, not even for Best Director. Yeah, I, I I mentioned that like the next day that like because in my head I thought that I I could see him on stage because it's true I see him on on stage at the Oscars holding the Oscar. Well, that was because they won Best Picture. He did not actually win the Academy Award that year for Best Director. Russell Crowe won for Best Actor. Mm. Gladiator won for Best Picture. But I think I just had that image in yeah, my head of him standing up. Ridley Scott was on stage holding the Oscar, but it wasn't for best director. So, yes. All right, guys, listen, we have still a number of questions to get through. But we're going to take another quick break here and thank the last sponsor of our episode here today, my mobile service provider. And they should be yours, our friends at Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video. Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for sponsoring the john campia youtube channel all right with that down guys let's get through the rest of the questions you guys have sent in shall we jonathan what we got up next bang blaze is back one reason i'm excited for the marvels is it looks very cosmic yeah i'd love to see more of the cosmic side of the mcv mcu moving forward Look, there's a, a couple. Of of, there's a couple of reasons why I'm looking forward to miss to the to the Marvels. Yeah, uh, I'm not super excited for it, but but I am looking forward to it. The main number one reason is Iman Vellani playing Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel. It's the second best show Disney has put on TV. Ms. Marvel was fantastic. Uh, I, I I have run out of words to explain just how much joy that show filled my heart with every time that I watch it. This is one of the most in endearing, wonderful characters with an endearing, wonderful family. And every time they were just, anytime she was in any scene with just her and her family talking, I found it to be a joyous event. And for that reason alone, I'm super excited about it. Now I, I like Brie Larson playing Captain Marvel very much. Um, but I mean, the number one main reason I'm, I'm looking forward to it is Amon Vellani. Good Canadian girl, by the way, good Canadian kid. All right. What's next? Raymond Verrata writes, there's news on Variety that Seth Rogen didn't want the TMNT animators overworked and suffering. He and director Jeff Rowe heard about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse uh, news and wanted the change. Well, okay, look, I love Seth Rogen. Uh, I was just sitting behind, we went to, a, did you see that picture? We were at, Anna and I went to the uh, Rams game and we were like sitting right behind oh, right, Seth right, right. Rogen. But I, I love Seth Rogen. Good Canadian kid, by the way. Um, But... It don't this the, the, oh I heard what happened to Spider Man across Spider-Verse. Go read up on what happened with Sausage Party. Go go read some stuff about 
complaints, how the animators were treated, all that kind of stuff. I, again, I, I can't tell you that's what it was. I just remember reading a lot of the articles. It, that's all I'm going off of. But I think if he did, as, as one of the producers, and he wasn't the studio behind it. Ultimately, the studio is going to make those decisions. But if he did feel like they wanted to make sure things were done a certain way from animators, it probably came from the experience he com- had coming out of uh, Sausage Party, which was a movie he produced, as opposed to what happened with Spider-Man Across the spider But when you think of the importance of that movie, yeah. they really needed to get Sausage Party out there to the peep, to the viewers. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. With the important. social impact. Yeah. Let's just praise the change. If there is a positive change from, from what has happened in the past, let's, uh, let's celebrate it for the animators, at least. Well... I mean, because, you know, I was I sat on the train every day when I used to go to your place and go back home every day. I sat right next to an animator for Bob's Burger. That's right. Yeah. And he would tell me some of the things. And I was like, why do you do it? He's like, I don't have anything else. You know what I mean? Like, like, I, I, mean, I like what I do. I don't have, work in a building with no windows and, and you have to push things out. It's, it's, it seems real tough. It's like- very, It is. It, yeah. Listen, I worked in the visual effects animation industry. We we did scenes for movies and we did work on some animation, stuff like that. And listen, there we literally brought in cots. I remember when I was working at the company, we brought in cots so we could be there 72 <laughs> hours straight. And some of the team would like literally crash for three or four hours, get up, go right back to their desk, keep going. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hell of a thing. Now- at the same time, I don't want all my animated movies to look like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's fine for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because that's the DNA of the movie. But I also I want my animated movies to also look really good and look really sharp most of the time. So it, it's an industry that needs to find a way to balance. And uh, hopefully they get there. All right, what's next? Okay, we've got Fangblaze who writes, indefinitely like the new TMNT, but I hated the style they went with. Um, are we sure all the humans in that world aren't already mutants? They look weird. <laughs> Again, I, I love the look of it. Yeah, I, I thought it worked <clears throat> for that, for the style they were going for and for the kind of movie that TMNT is. I thought it looked, I thought it looked perfect. I thought <clears throat> it looked great. All right, what's next? Fangblade says, Saw Meg 2, there's no way people wrote this script. I'm 99% <laughs> sure AI did all the work on the plot and dialogue. I was rolling my eyes the whole time. I can't believe how bad it is. That was the funniest movie of the year for me so far. I mean, from a dialogue point of view, it is absolutely one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> and listen, whenever I talk about Meg 2, I always like to preface it that I'm a huge Jason Statham fan. I love that guy. I will watch any movie that he's in. Mm-hmm. And, and the movie had some upsides. There were some good moments in the movie that I enjoyed. Overall, the movie is quite bad, but just from the dialogue point of view and the villains, oh my God. It 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 right now is my worst film of 2023. Ugh, worse is, than Fast X. Yeah. Worse than, what it is my number one worst film of the year so far. This is why I hate when movies lose their focus. It should have just been about the, the Megs yeah, yeah. and then find other sea creature, monsters, whatever. But then when you told me there's human villains too, I'm like, Dude, it's always with bad movies. They get lost in this like stupid plot with other villains. It's like just focus. That villain didn't have to be there. You and I know it. No, no, they didn't. I mean, I, I get it for a certain plot device to move stuff, but they made the villain so awful. I, it was just uh, anyway. I don't. I don't <laughs> want to talk anymore about Meg. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> What's next? John Redcorn writes: Buy one, rent one, lose one. Fast X, Quantumania, Meg Two. I buy Quantumania. That's for sure. Of the uh, those three. Out of those three, I would buy Quantumania. Not to me, not a good movie, but not a completely horrible movie. Rent Fast X. 
Rent Fast X Meg Two. Yeah, Rent Rent Fast Fast X bad movie. Really, really bad movie, but not nearly as bad as Meg. Yeah. All right. What's next? Suthius, uh, I love y'all's new rating system for bad movies on a scale of Megaladudu and Moonfall. (laughs) (laughs) How bad is this movie? Uh, Hope you'll use it once in a while. What was Megaladudu? Was I in the room? No, I said that. I said. I said said we wanted some Meg. Megalodon, but we oh, ran, Megalodudu, we yay, okay. <laughs> now, on a scale of Megalodudu to Moonfall, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I famously do not give ratings to movies. I just talk about whether I like them or not and what I liked, what I did, and I don't give ratings because people completely misinterpret ratings. Like, I, I've talked about this before. Like, I would give a movie a 7 out of 10, right? And to me, a 7 out of 10 is a solid score. It's pretty good. That's three away from perfect. And I've only ever given, like, in all the era that I did give scores to, I think I've only given, like, four or five movies 10 out of 10s. Like, I don't believe, I think, we live in an age where everybody just throws, like, 10, 10, 10. Way too easy. Way too easy. Movie is modestly entertaining. 10 out of 10. Anyway. But, so I give, like, a movie a 7 out of 10. So, you know what? This is a really fun movie. It was solid, blah, blah, blah. 7 out of 10, great. And inevitably... I get hit with a thousand messages of John. Why did you hate it? See what you did, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) This is all on Rubio, man. So I I would, I would never be get hit with these things, but why did you hate it? It's like, what are you talking about? Well, seven out of 10 is a terrible. No, seven out of 10 means it's really solid. See, that's the thing about movie ratings is what's the point of having a movie rating system. If everybody interprets the ratings differently, like, if somebody only considers, if something's a 9 or 10 out of 10, that's the only thing that's good. Anything lower than that isn't good. Well, to a lot of people, most movies don't deserve a 9 or a 10, even really good movies. Those should, 9s and 10s should be, like, exclusively safe for movies that would be, like, best picture contenders, right? But it's all interpreted differently. So what's the point in me saying, I give this movie, you know, a 7 cookies out of 8, if, if everybody's going to interpret that completely different, mm. right? So that's why I don't do it. But Megalodudu to Moonfall, we'll, that could be a totally legit we'll rating We'll have system. to use Meg, Meg 2 as like the bar for the lower movies, yeah. I think. <laughs> so. All right, what's next? John Redcorn writes, people are talking about RDJ versus Gosling for Best Supporting Actor this year. What about Momoa for Fast X? He was the only good thing in that movie. That's hey, the Momoa problem. Momoa was great in Fast X. I lo- he was one of the very few things in Fast X that actually elevated the movie. Not an Oscar performance, though. Yeah. I had a lot of fun watching him. A lot of fun. But did he bring depth to the character? Did he, like... Uh, no, because that's not it's not that kind of a movie. It's not what he was called upon to do for that movie. He was the most entertaining film the <laughs> thing in the film, but he is not an Oscar contender. For Imagine it. what Vin Diesel would feel like if he got nominated for best with all that drama that was going on. Imagine that. people just scratching their but heads remember, if he but, won it. But they made it clear all that I know, drama I know, was BS. That, that was stuff just people I made know, up. I remember, Vin Di- I think Vin Diesel would take that as a win if Jason Moe got nominated because Vin Diesel's like, I'm the guy who put him in this movie. And he ended up, that means I was brilliant in putting <laughs> right. him in the role, right? That's how Vin, that's how Vin Diesel should look at it if that happened, but it's not going to happen. All right, what's next? Uh, John is back. What 2024 comic book movie are you curious to learn more about, but you aren't super excited for yet? Uh, for me, it's Joker 2 and Madam Web. I thought Madam Web got pushed. I I can't, I don't know movie dates, so I don't know what's coming I out in 2024 no off the top of my head. Mm. So I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I, Madam I am Web, interested in Joker 2. If Madam Web 
is coming out. I mean, Joker 2, that's an obvious one, though. The no, first but, one was nominated for Best Picture. But and, the added musical thing, too. I mean, oh, yes. Yeah, so it's a super thing to be excited yeah. about. Madam Web, though, is the one that has me really fascinated. Because like everybody else, when they said they were doing a Madam Web movie, I, like a lot of people, said, huh? Ma- Madam Web? Really? We're going to go there? But then I started seeing some reports about what the synopsis of the movie might end up being. And I thought, oh, that could be really good. I guess Madam Web's still And February. then the set images, they released some set images that seemed to, that at least on the surface, seemed to go along with what we heard the story might be. And I got to tell you, that's one that I am surprised I'm, I'm as looking forward to as I am. It could affect the timeline. It, it very well could affect the timeline. I have no idea if it's going to be good or not. I don't know, but I do know that the sound of it. Other than that, I can't remember which movies are coming out in 2024 and which aren't, to be honest with you. All Deadpool right. 3, but I'm already interested in it. Oh, Deadpool 3? Well, obviously, that's the most one, but that's but I'm already interested that's in the it. obvious number yeah. one most anticipated one, yeah. All right, what's next? All right. <laughs> uh, Fameblaze writes, buy, rent, sell, WandaVision, Shang-Chi, Guardians of Volume 1. That's tough. I don't oh, think I that's targeted any. towards you, man. That's, that's <laughs> tough, but I will go uh, buy WandaVision because I think it's simply the best thing Disney ever put on, on television. I will rent Shang-Chi and I will sell Guardians 1. I love Guardians 1, but if you're saying I got to sell one of them, that's the one I sell. <laughs> All right, what's next? Surprise uh, you answered that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Remy Alestra writes, fatigue is real, John. No, it's you not. Do, if you don't believe, then at least you'll be fatigued by my question. Yeah. Yeah, we were. <laughs> yeah, again... Everybody, I, like I'm. Everybody forgets. Like you know the old saying, uh, a broken clock is right twice a day, and, and it's true. But I have for 13 years now have had people tell me every month, comic book movie fatigue setting in now. Then five more comic book movies joined the billion dollar club. Comic book movies fatigue setting in now. Then five more. There is no such thing as comic book movie fatigue. There is mediocrity fatigue. There is not. It's not a coincidence. And I say this all the time. It's not a coincidence that as we enter in this era that we're in right now, where the quality of the MCU product has dropped significantly, that that's when interest is is starting to fail off. It's not a coincidence. I put it like this, Ray. This This is an analogy I think you'll get on board with. Think of a restaurant you love going to, right? Oh, all of them? (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Let's just just call a a, a restaurant, I don't know. Freddie Q's, okay? We're making up a restaurant, Freddie Q's. And let's say it's one of your favorite restaurants and you get excited whenever we're going to Freddie Q's. And when we go to Freddie Q's, you love the food. You eat the food, you have a great time with it and you get excited about going back. Now, on a Saturday, we go to Freddie Q's and you order a dish and it's not actually all that great. Okay, whatever. And then you go to Freddie Q's again the following week and again, the dish isn't all that great. Then you go again a few days later. Ray does that, though. And you order another dish. It's like, you know what? This one wasn't very good. Guess what's going to happen? Your excitement about going to Freddy Q's again next week is going to be lower than it was three weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. Because now your experiences have been negative. That is what has happened with the comic book genre. There have been a mounting number of negative, to lukewarm to negative experiences. And the more you pile up those lukewarm to negative experiences, your enthusiasm for going back again next time is going to be lower than it was <laughs> but, before. And then it's going to continue to drop. That's the thing. It's And you don't have food fatigue. You have mediocre or bad food fatigue. That's what you have. There is no such thing as comic book movie fatigue 
What you have right now is mediocre or mediocrity fatigue. But at the same time, if you're paying for us all and we keep going back, it's not going to yes. It's not going to hurt that bad. Free like, food's oh. the best food. Yeah. <laughs> best tasting food is the free food. You know what? And I have an answer to that superhero one. Uh, it would have been next August Craven. But it's actually December 2024 is Thunderbolts I'm most interested in. Oh, that's one I'm also, yeah. yeah, I wasn't interested in Thunderbolts at all until they named the lineup. Then I'm like, oh, this could be interesting. Yeah, that's another one I'm looking forward to. All right, okay. what's next? Uh, Bobby Jackson writes, I was at the SDCC panel that showed footage from the creator. It looked fantastic. Also, he mentioned it was shot with a camera purchased from Best Buy. Again, what the, the technology I mean, today, yeah. you can buy Listen, you could buy a Canon 8K, whatever. You can watch the Best Buy now, and you have you'll have some camera sitting there that is technologically way more advanced in a movie than a camera they were using to shoot a movie with 10 years ago. I mean, so I'm not listen, we've had Soderbergh shoot a movie on an iPhone. Like the technology today is just so damn advanced that it's not surprising to hear that. All right, what's next? Bobby Jackson is back. Um, just to follow up, the camera from Best Buy was a Sony FX3. Oh, the Sony FX3 is what you know what? I'm I've actually been considering buying the little brother version of the FX3, which is a which is one of Sony's cinema cameras. They have the little brother to it's called the FX30. And it is kind of a spiritual cousin to this camera that's on me right now. What what's looking at me right now is a Sony uh ASP. Why, well, why am I suddenly freezing? Oh. ASPC? No, APSC? Something APSC. Like that. Anyway, um, uh, sensor camera. It's called the Sony A6400, right. right? The FX3 is a full frame sensor, but the FX30, which is a much cheaper, it uses the APSC sensor, the same one that this one uses, but has a lot of great cinema camera features. Okay. So and that- you can get it. Yeah, there, there it is. There, that's the body. But you can see it has a lot of connectors because clearly this is him on set. I mean, you can see he yep. he has altered the look of that. Camera. Yeah, it's, you can rig it out. You can attach all it's these rigged. different things right. to is it. That from the creator, right there. Yeah. So yeah. this is the camera he's using. This is the base. But then this is him rigging it out. <laughs> yeah. You can attach all this type of crap to it. But I'm telling you, you can get the. I've been How really. How much is that t- camera? The one that he's talking about. I think it's about 2400 bucks. Oh, okay. I was thinking it would be more expensive than that. Yeah, I, I think it's in the $2,300, $2,400 range. Best Buy better be in the credits. I tell you what, man. I, I have I have <laughs> honestly considered grabbing that camera. It's it's pretty impressive. I've been kind of going back and forth to maybe grabbing a full frame. Because all the cameras we have in here, we have some Canons and mostly Sonys. I'm looking, but they're all those APS-C sensor cameras. I've been thinking about grabbing one or two I'm full frame cameras. Thirty-seven hundred right now now is that just the body or is that with a lens body just the body well the fx3 i know is like five or six thousand dollars i think anyway it's it what you can get now the bang for your buck that you can get is crazy all right let's keep going what's next all right um where are we so bobby jackson we just did and now we got Dwayne Fernandez writes, uh, hi, John, do you think studios should do AI generated movies for kids where the quality doesn't matter as much? Maybe straight to DVD. There's some AI generated YouTube channels already. No, no, I really don't. It's just why, why look, Pixar showed you can make kid friendly content and have them be great movies and make tons of money. Why would you just crank out crap? All you can do is hurt the industry overall. So no, I don't think they should do that. All right. What's next? King Daddy Go writes, the twist in the visit had me shooketh to me core. 
I don't know if that's a play on something that was said in the movie. It's been a while. I don't know, but I had to uh, read it. Since I've watched it. But again, the twist in it is a legit, really good twist mm-hmm. uh, that I started to suspect a little bit, but I, I, I wasn't fully committed to it. And then when it happened, I'm like, okay, this this makes a lot of sense. Were- and by the way, uh, Agatha, um, what's the actress who plays Agatha? Uh, oh, Ka- Kathy. Catherine Hahn. Catherine. Yeah. So if, great movie. I love the visit. It's, it's again, to me, was the first M night movie that I really quite enjoyed in a long time. It was really good. All right. What's next? Rovina films writes, um, people lost interest in Grant Gustin as the flash because of the viewership numbers, but I feel like the quality of the writing has more to do with that rather than Gustin's performance. It's, it's almost irrelevant. It's irrelevant. like, again, it's not Gustin did a good job playing a CW flash. Nobody cares about him being Flash on the big screen. Like, nobody is really asking for it except for hardcore fans of, of the show, and there's not many of them as the viewership dropped and dropped. Now, like I said when we were doing our show this morning, I don't believe that the viewership just dropped because people didn't like Gustin as Flash, but no. they clearly weren't super invested in Gustin as Flash either. There's just no reason to have Grant Gustin as Flash. It's just not. They're, they're making the DCU, not the CW movie version it's it just doesn't make any sense. All right, what's next? Um, Fingblaze writes, I loved Guardians 3, but I think it would have been better without the part at the Orgo Court. That part was really unnecessary and kind of cameo fest. I'm guessing he, yeah. I don't know, man. I we watched the movie again last night. Uh-huh. And we were watching it with another couple who a couple who are friends of ours. Well, you guys remember Jen who was mm-hmm. who was on the show for a while helping us out. Um her and her guy, Alex, came over last night, and Alex had never seen Guardians 3. And that was one of the more positive responses in the movie was to that whole... It's it's the part of the movie that uh, Nathan Fillion shows up in. I thought that was a fun part. It was a super fun part. Yeah, and, and like for him, who had never seen the movie before, that was one of his favorite parts of the movie. So, yeah, I, I, all I can say is for me, it worked. For you, it didn't work. Nothing wrong with that. Your reaction is no more and le- no less valid than mine. But I, I got to say, for me, it worked really well. I got to say, I, I laughed a lot at that. All right, what's next? Oh, by the way, uh-huh. and Tiffany Smith is in that scene. Mm. She is? When they go, yep. Yep, Tiffany. You know, as they're walking through the main hallways in court, there's a big giant billboard explaining that the high evolutionary, that's Tiffany oh, Smith giving the little speech. I didn't even notice speech. that. Yep. How funny. All right, what's next? <laughs> Bobby Jackson writes, Deadline has updated Blue Beetle opening estimates to 30 million. Wow. Uh, over under 60% that it hits the estimate. Lately, things have been blowing past the estimates, but I mean, I don't know, man. The DCEU? I mean, when they first came out, like, like I've been saying Blue Beetle is going to flop. I'm looking forward to it. I think that the trailers look like it has promise. But when they came out with those estimates of a $17 million opening, that, that even painful. caught me by surprise. Like, it's like, that's real low. Um, yeah. Look up the final box office total for Flash again. I think it was 300 and something. Might have been in the 200s. But remember, Flash opened with 55 million. Okay. And its final grand total was what, Ray? 268. $268 million. And it was almost a, yeah, it didn't do better. 268, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, and that was with opening at 55. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if Blue Beetle does make as much as 30 million opening weekend. Hey, it's only 970 million shy of a billion. Yeah, I mean, it's on its way. The longest journeys, Jonathan, start with the first step. Yep. It'll do 30. It'll do 30. But 
then what what it'll do after that? Oh, yeah. That's the thing. But the question if, is, if Flash opened with <laughs> fifty, if the Flash opened with fifty five and couldn't crack the high two hundreds, what's going to happen to Blue Beetle? I don't know. I think it'll make less than thirty. I'll, I'll go with I'll go with thirty. You'll go with thirty. I'm going to go a little 30. under thirty. I, think, I think, it, think above the seventeen, but I'll go under thirty. Do you think domestically it cracks a hundred? Because no. Flash was one hundred eight. No. Yeah. No, I don't. I, know. I don't think it cracks hundred million domestically. Oof. But listen. I'm saying all that now as somebody who hasn't seen the movie. Uh, I got to see yeah, the movie. Yeah, it might be really right? fun and people are just like, whatever. I but. may come out of that theater and like the theater I was in, I love the movie. The audience got hyped. So you know they're going to go out and tell everybody about it. So I may change my mind about that after I see the movie. But just looking at the trajectory of the DCEU as a whole, nobody cares about the DCEU anymore. And they haven't for years. That's the thing. All right, what's next? Um, Bobby Jackson, I'm sure you'll talk about this tomorrow, but it looks like Marvel Studios VFX workers have filed a to join IATSE union. I'm curious uh, what this will mean. I have been saying for a long time that visual effects workers need to unionize. Yeah. They really, really do. Now, I, so he's saying Marvel Studios. So this isn't just the people they sublet out to? See, I, that's the thing I'm a little bit confused about because as, as far income. as I know, Marvel does not have an in-house visual effects company. So that makes me think it's all visual effects. I mean, look, there's ILM. Yeah. That's owned by Disney, right? So so there's that. But that's but technically speaking, that's ILM. There are tons and tons and tons of visual effects companies. Mm -hmm. That's why if you stay at the end of a comic book movie, you'll see visual effects by one company, all these credits. Also, visual effects by another company, visual effects by another company and all their credits, another visual effects. You'll get like 12, so you'll get like a dozen visual effects companies, right? Visual effects, they need to either figure out a way to be absorbed into IATSE or they've got to form their own union because they got to have a collective bargaining power because we've seen what's been going on with the world of visual effects ever since the, uh, what was the damn movie, The Tiger on the Boat? Oh, Life of Pi. Life of Pi. Ever yeah. since Life so of Pi. Movie wins, visual, wins Academy Awards and then the company that did all the visual, mind-blowing visual effects and it shuts down. They got to do something. All right, anyway, we will talk about that tomorrow. All right, what's next? All right, the Jedi Master is back. Hi, Ray. Bought some Air Jordan 1s that have been nicknamed Bloodline by sneakerheads. Will you acknowledge these tribal kicks? I guess we'll... We, I acknowledge oh, I guess your kicks. That's a Roman Reigns joke, yeah, I'm I guess, guessing? Because, you know, Roman Reigns, he comes in with the flyest kicks when he wrestles. He does, or at least when he does his uh, promos. Um, him and the Usos, they come in with some Nike, some Jordans. Um, if they did release some special edition um, uh, Bloodline ones, I want to check those out. Well, so. Are they actually Bloodline themed? Probably. It'd probably be red. Let's see the question again. I want to see. Are they just, they bought, Air, um, see, bought some Air Jordan ones that have been nicknamed Bloodline by Sneaker. Okay, so it's not that the company made them. It's that Sneakerheads have just called it that. Oh, these are fresh. They look wow. good? Wow. Well, don't talk about it. nobody else can see them. I know, so. but it, wow, these look really <laughs> literally nice. could be looking at ice cream cones. Yeah, I mean, wow, this is great. <laughs> you know what we gotta do? We got we gotta get NDI and Ray's computer too, so he can. Oh bring no, it no, <laughs> Sexcore TV is all over. <laughs> I'm taking my notes. <laughs> I just randomly click onto it once in a while to out them. <laughs> all right, what's next? That's it. That's it. Yeah. And guys, that'll do it for today's installment of Open Mic. Thank you so much for being here, making the show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the channel, thank you guys so very much. 
for your support. Guys, don't forget to like and subscribe, not just this video, but all the videos on the channel. It certainly helps the channel out. And make sure you come back and join us again tomorrow. So I want to thank the guys in the room with me. Ray, taking a break from Sex Court TV. Oh my God, these kicks are so fly. Am I <laughs> Jonathan Voico. See you guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.